just a little bit of uh, history or context. About five, six years ago, um, we stumbled upon something that we felt God gave us as a church for spiritual formation. We called it soul shift. We believe that people are changed most genuinely from the inside out. A lot of transformation today happens on the surface, but because it never affects the soul of an individual, the changes never last. We change for a while, then we fall back. Um, what we're calling for are seven fundamental changes or seismic shifts that happen in the core of our being, down in the soul. So we call them soul shifts uh, that God makes in a person's heart. And as, as our souls shift in these huge ways from one thing to another, it starts to affect everything else on the surface. So rather than starting on the surface and working our way down, which does work sometimes, we're talking about starting at the core and working our way out so that the changes become permanent and they pervade all areas of our lives rather than to just be in certain compartments. One of those shifts is called sheep to shepherd. When you began to follow Jesus, you probably, like I, got in behind him because he was your shepherd and you were his servant, you were his sheep. And so part of being a disciple is to get in behind Jesus and follow Jesus wherever he goes. But the more you read the Gospels, the more you discover that a call to follow is a call to enlist. Only five or six chapters after Jesus calls us to follow him, he turns to his disciples and tells them to begin to lead other people. So part of what it means to follow Jesus is to take up not only Jesus' teachings, not only obedience, but to take up his cause, his agenda, the thing that he wants to accomplish in this world, and to work alongside of him to accomplish the same things in your area. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Said that in John chapter 10. And so we'll spend the next five or six weeks focusing on that parable or that metaphor of what he meant when he called himself and us to be good shepherds. About a year ago, the World Economic Forum uh, did a survey among its constituents. So you have some context. The World Economic Forum is a group of leaders, uh, both political leaders, economic leaders, governmental leaders from all kinds of countries around the world. Well, they get together as a consortium and they start to identify what they consider are the biggest challenges facing the globe, the world today. Challenges such as the, the, the crashing of the European market, for instance, or the rise of the terrorist state, or global warming was one of them, or the vigilantism on the American streets. They look at what's wrong with the world, and then they put together proposed solutions, and they present those to the various leaders around the world. About a year ago, when they surveyed 1,200 of their constituents in their network, 86% of them identified leadership 
as one of the biggest challenges on the planet. 86% of them said, and this is a quote from the report, the world is facing a crisis of leadership. Now the problem is not that there isn't enough leaders. There are plenty. The problem is that the leaders that we have in various parts of the world are more and more operating without a moral compass. So they are more and more deciding on things that benefit themselves or the constituents that are closest to them and then all of the other consequences be damned. The other problem or the other crisis in leadership is that we no longer know where the leaders are coming from. It used to be that we educated leaders in our universities and that they were either appointed in their positions by the establishment or they were elected to their positions by the constituents. But more and more, leaders are arising in movements out of nowhere. We see it two or three years ago in the Arab Spring, where there were mass protests on the streets, thousands of people holding cell phones, demanding that their leaders be removed. Once the leaders were removed, it created a leadership vacuum at the top, and the next leader came from seemingly nowhere. We see it in Occupy Wall Street. We see it in Black Lives Matter. The people that are leading these things are not people that have been formally trained in institutions. They've not been established in their positions by governing bodies, nor have they been elected. They have ascended to their positions of power and authority out of nowhere. They have power before they know what to do with it. And that is a leadership crisis. Now, it presents both a threat and an opportunity. Think about this. It's a threat because it makes everything around the world more fragile. Things could blow any minute. Like Ferguson, Missouri, something happens on the street and immediately the ones that you thought were in charge are not in charge because the body is too large and it refuses to follow them. So it's a threat. It makes things more fragile. It's an opportunity because it means that you can lead something from anywhere in the organization. If the new leaders no longer come from the universities and are no longer appointed by the establishment, then people will find leaders anywhere around them as soon as they find someone who gives them what they think they need. And so two years ago in Forbes magazine, Michael Myatt said, we have come to a crossroads in the United States, something of a crisis. He said the issue is clear. 
we have forgotten what leadership looks like. And Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. Now, when he said good, he does not mean that in the moral sense. A better translation, says Raymond Brown, is ideal, model, true. So what Jesus said was, I am the true shepherd. I am the ideal leader. I am what leadership looks like. It took me a while to see this. He's not talking about farming. You might have got that right away. Took me a while to translate this. When he says, I am the good shepherd, he's actually making statements. He's actually casting a model of how to lead in any domain. It doesn't matter your position. It doesn't matter where in the organization you are. It doesn't matter really what your job is for the moment. He's giving us a template of what it looks like to enlarge our influence, if you will, with the people around us. But he's asking us to think differently about our positions. He's asking us to go to work tomorrow with a fundamentally different mind than the one we came in here just a few moments ago. When Timothy Laniac uh, got his Fulbright scholarship in 2003, he spent a few months over in the Middle East following nomads around. They were Bedouin shepherds. That's all they did. They just chased sheep and goats all around the desert, always never their own. They never had a place to live. They never really had an address. They just lived out in the open. And what he discovered when he did his research is that ancient civilizations consistently used a shepherd to model leadership. Now, think about that because in today's church or in today's language, we don't think of a shepherd, some dude wandering around in the wilderness with a couple hundred sheep as being a real extraordinary example of a leader. But what he discovered was that in ancient civilizations, they knew what shepherds did every day. And so it became something of an icon for what leaders do. Shepherds were always having to negotiate the terrain with the people that were under their care. They were always having to think about tomorrow while the sheep were grazing today. They were having to protect the sheep that were under their care from wolves that were always preying upon them. They were always having to read the sheep in order to know which one needed special attention and what kind of attention they needed. So it was pretty complex work and it took a ton of courage and it was every day and it was thankless. And so everyone from Sumerian kings to Egyptian deities to Greek emperors, when they wrote of themselves and their little annals, they would compare themselves to shepherds. Me? I think of that dude on the wall in my Sunday school class. 
You know, I mean, when you were in Sunday school, they had this picture of Jesus, long, flowing hair, dark hair, darker complexion, always wore a dress, big beard, looked like a bearded lady in the sense. You know, strong, but I couldn't tell what it was. And he always had a sheep that he had in his hand like this. He was always smiling too. And he was holding the sheep like a football. You know, I mean, do you know the picture I'm talking about? There's a hundred different versions of these things. And so when I go to translate it into whatever my work is, it doesn't really get it. You know, I can't say, you see that, that dude up there with the long flowing hair, that's the shepherd. So that would be me. And then that little weak, sick, feeble thing in his hands, that's the sheep. So that would be you. <laughs> You're not going to take that. Man, I wouldn't take that. So it doesn't get it. I don't translate that. But then I remembered God himself is a shepherd. Psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. Wherever God went to get his leaders, almost always found one as a shepherd. Abel was. Moses was. Joseph was. Gideon was. David was. When Israel went into exile for 70 years, watch this. When Israel had their version of a leadership crisis, the prophets again and again cried for shepherds. That, that, that caught my attention about three months ago as I was reading the prophets. Please don't miss this. Israel is in the middle of a meltdown. And if the same thing were happening in America today, we would all say we're having a failure in leadership. What the prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, consistently said was, we're having a shepherding crisis. Never caught that. It occurred to me then that maybe the prophets and maybe God himself has a vision for shepherding that I did not have. Maybe a shepherd was not the dude with long flowing hair, dressed in a dress, carrying something like a football. Maybe a shepherd was a powerful image of what it means to lead any place within the organization. You ever wondered, what would Jesus do in my job. <laughs> All right. Put him in my job tomorrow and make him deal with my clientele. Make him answer to my boss or deal with my board. What would he do in my job? Here's another question. What would he do with your job? What if he did your job, but he was always doing something else that was larger than your job, with your job? And you start to get a picture 
of what it means to shepherd. So I'm calling people in our church, you, me, all of our staff, and I'm calling people in our community to elevate your leadership to become shepherds. We all know you can lead because they made you the leader. Now we're asking you to shepherd. What does that mean? I want you to think of John chapter 10 as four legs on a stool. Since art is not my major, that's my stool. Does that make sense? Okay, you're looking through the bottom of the stool like this. Those are the four legs there. And you're looking at the bottom of the seat. Are you with me now? Does it help if I make little legs? that help, Ron? Good. So the seat is what we call the shepherd. And then in John chapter 10, Jesus gives us four marks of what shepherds are. He says, shepherds know their sheep. He says he calls them by name and they follow him because they know his voice. And so shepherds are followed by sheep because the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Now, please don't miss this. Shepherds are not known by their vision. Shepherds are not known by their intellect or because they have a great strategy. You follow a leader because of his vision, you follow a shepherd because of his voice. It resonates with you. You trust it. So we can make anyone in the room a leader by just giving them the position, but we can't make any of you a shepherd. Only the people around you can make you a shepherd when they recognize your voice. There has to be a high resonance. When I know someone, I walk with them, live with them. I think about them when they're not thinking about themselves. I study them, I interpret them, I understand them. I think about their marriages and I care about their marriages more than they care about their marriages sometimes. When I know someone, I don't just recognize their name. I recognize their story. And I can pick up with the story next week when I see them again. Shepherds feed. Jesus said, those who come through me, the door, come in and go out, and they find pasture. Shepherds are constantly thinking about how to nourish or enrich the people that are around them. Shepherds find ways of speaking into other people's lives. Shepherds develop 
Shepherds build. Shepherds give people confidence. Shepherds know what the sheep need, and then they provide it. Shepherds are there when other people are gone. Shepherds lead. Jesus said, he leads them out. And after he has led them out, he goes on ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. When shepherds lead, they bring clarity. They think about tomorrow. Sheep are always consuming today. They'll stay on a piece of land and eat it till it's gone, and they still won't move. It takes someone on the land to say, you got to move on. It takes someone thinking about tomorrow while the people around them are only thinking about today. And so when shepherds lead, they bring sheep to places that sheep would not go on their own because they don't have the vision and they don't have the courage. They bring direction. They bring clarity. They bring movement and progress and resolution to all of this hanging around and feeding. Shepherds protect. When the wolf comes, the hired hand runs. But the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's where that rod comes in. Thy rod and thy staff, you know, from Psalm 23... They'd swing it, the rod that is like a baseball bat. Sometimes they'd get in front of the sheep and they would lead them by going in front of them. And then sometimes when they were going through narrow passes, the shepherd would get in behind the sheep and drive them because he knew that they wouldn't go through it alone or they wouldn't go through it on their own. And from behind the flock, the shepherd would defend the last few sheep from the wolves that were waiting to cherry pick. More than one lost their lives swinging that thing, trying to protect the last few stragglers. So when a shepherd protects, he doesn't just develop the up-and-coming leaders. He comes alongside people that are struggling People that aren't going to make it. People that maybe never will be great leaders. But they're still the possession of God. And the shepherd knows he has to provide cover. They bind up people that are hurt. They waste lots of hours that are not cost efficient. When I saw this, it changed the way that I saw ministry. Not just mine, but maybe yours. What I noticed is that all of the talk today is about making better leaders. Okay, I'm currently reading 11 books simultaneously on leadership. 
and everything in these books tell me that the best thing I can do for my people is to become a better leader. They tell me everything rises and falls on leadership. I don't hear too many people telling me I need to be a better shepherd. Even in the church, where you would think ministers are shepherds, we've become leaders. And I think that all of the talk about making ministers leaders elevates certain abilities like vision, strategy, administration, execution, implementation, but it leaves other strategies almost off the table. So that over time, our whole job begins to take on the shape of a leader more than a shepherd. So for instance, when we survey local church ministers and ask them how much time they spend Just go with me here for a moment, please. How much time your minister spends in administration and organizational responsibility, the answer is, on average, 36 hours a week. In another study, completely independent, when we asked local church pastors, how much time does it take you to organize the church, supervise staff, return phone calls, have meetings, and return emails? The answer was seven hours and 44 minutes a day. I'm not telling you we shouldn't be better leaders. Watch me. I'm just telling you, every shepherd is a leader. But not every leader is a shepherd. Because there are other things that shepherds do that get lost in all the talk about leadership. Can I get a witness? I mean, I know this isn't an African-American church, and it should be, maybe. But this is a good time for an amen. Leaders are always building the organization. Shepherds are always thinking about people. So leaders always want numbers. Show me the metrics. Give me the numbers. Shepherds always want to tell you stories. Because they know behind every number is a family or a face. Leaders are always trying to leverage people. To get more profit. Shepherds will always leverage the organization and use the profits to help more people. I'm not telling you we shouldn't be leaders. I'm telling you we should elevate and become more than leaders. I'm telling you, God is calling us to do more than just lead. Now watch. What happens in churches and in your organization 
pretty much the same because these four things are interdependent, because one of them doesn't work well unless the other three are also working alongside of it. It's four legs, not one leg. It's four. And they have to be in balance. So if I start to lead a group of people by giving them quotas and targets and visions and goals, but I don't actually equip the people that I'm trying to lead, then I'm leading without feeding. And if I try to lead people by handing down regulations and policies and standards and saying, this is how we're all going to act, but I don't actually spend time with the people and listening to their stories, then I am trying to lead whom I do not know. I may be their leader, I am not their shepherd. So being a shepherd is not doing one of these things, it's doing all four of them with some level of competency. I can't sit back and say, well, let me tell you how I shepherd. I'm the preacher, that's what I do. Then I let somebody else do the other three things. Look, I may be your feeder, but I am not your shepherd. So what that means is I can feed far more people than I can shepherd. Man, I can feed thousands and not even think about it. But if I can't know thousands, then I am not thousands shepherd. You can probably lead more people than you can shepherd. The number of people that you can shepherd is limited to the number of people that you can do these four things with to some degree of competency over time. Is this making sense? Or am I just beating this whiteboard to death? Sometimes in a church like ours, we have three services. And on a good day, 15, 1,800 people. What happens is we have people that come to our church for this. They come for me to feed them, which I'm happy to do because I can do this one by default. This one comes hard for me because I'm a reluctant leader. Dude, when I'm not up here, I'm in the last seat in the house. And there's not a week that goes by where I don't look at this job and think, I can't do that. Now, I know y'all are thinking, you need more self-confidence. And I do, but you need to see this job. Dude, it's dodgeball. You catch the ones you can and get out of the way of everything else. The truth is, I got put in position long before I wanted it. And the same thing's probably true about you. You're probably in charge of something, and you didn't even know what you were doing when you started. So you do what everybody else does. You look around, and you figure, what's everybody else doing? I should do a little bit of that. What do I think comes natural? I should do a little bit of that. Before long, it becomes months, and then years, and then it becomes a career. (laughs) But you never really knew what you were doing. I'm not minimizing your expertise. You're absolutely brilliant. But the truth is, on a daily basis, you are not prepared for most of what happens. So I just flat admit it and say, I'm not very good at this. I'm reading as much stuff as I can, but I'm not very good at this. 
I can do that in my sleep. So what happens is people come to our church and they see me do that. And because they don't belong to any small group and because they're not really part of an initiative in the church, they're only part of a morning worship service. When the crisis happens in their family, they look to the front and say, who's the only dude I recognize? Well, that'd be the big ugly ball guy. He must be my shepherd. Listen, I am not your shepherd unless I know you. I will spend as much time with you in aisle six of Lowe's as it takes. I will return every phone call and every email. But with 1,800 people in an organization, it is not possible for one person to know everybody. Which leads to the last point. Just like every one of us in this room needs to be a shepherd, everyone in this room needs to have a shepherd. I can tell you where I was when I got critical phone calls from people in our church and not in our church who stepped in at a critical moment and said, okay, I know what you did. I know it went well. I've talked to the family. Everybody's happy. Are you all right? And I said that night, shortly after midnight, I said, no, I'm not all right, and I won't be all right for a few years. But you're the first person who's asked. Last year when... Uh, when um, our work life in our house changed. Lori went back and to the classroom full time. I, I, I now call it the year from hell. It was our small group. It was our small group who consistently listened to the stories week after week, another episode from Stephen Lori's life. Spoke into our lives at critical moments led with courage and said, you must do this. No, you can't go there. No, you probably shouldn't say that. And then called on Wednesday and said, last night was the meeting. How did it go? I've been praying all afternoon. They were the shepherd. You need that. You do. If you're in a small group, if you're in a Sunday school class, you're getting really close to that kind of a relationship in our church. But if you're not in one, I would love for you to be part of one. Because ultimately, the best way to be a shepherd is to be a sheep. It's to follow people who do it well and then to model it. 